Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. We're back again because we couldn't spend all week being miserable, could we, Mark Donaldson? No, no, this will cheer us up. I'm really looking forward to this. Two of my favourite people, one watching as a a football um, supporter and then being lucky enough to to work with him um, and he fucking stole my script at Scott FM when I was reading The Sport, Little Bastard, John <laughs> Robertson, and Scott Wilson, who was in the same building when Grant Stott used the C word one day on a Saturday morning after I'd, I'd done The Sport. So looking forward to this. Gentlemen, how are you both? I was being well, polite waiting on Robo yeah, to speak well, I was, I was, I was waiting for my elders to speak first. Though, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Good luck, Laurie. With this one. Scotty, how are you? Oh, all good. All good in the hood, yes. In the hood? You'd in never speak like that. Hood. Yeah, and the, the, what did they used to call it on CB? In the in the, the, the West Lothian 40? I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, that's a long oh. time ago and predates both of you. Wee man, you'll remember CB days. 20, <laughs> that's what it is. Calling from the Nidri 20. No, no, I never, I never, I only had to wander over Nidri Way when I, I eventually played for Dinah Hibbs, but it was as far as the duel. I didn't quite get up to towards Nidri, it was more Bingham. There you are, well, that's posher than me, because I'm a, a, as you can probably see actually up there, gets pointed out to me every time I'm on Sky Sports that up my back, it's the, um, up my back, literally behind my back, I didn't mean that, um, is the, the, the street sign from Harewood Drive, which was demolished, which was where I was born. Not in it's the street, you audio only, right? my family lived there. <laughs> it, it is yes. audio only, so unfortunately, yeah, we we, we uh, you cannot see when you're listening to this, but Scott okay, Wilson, we'll, paint, have... we'll paint a picture with audio. Yeah, very good. Yes. Um, uh, this is this is going to be a long hour, I can tell already. Where are we at? We're starting. Yes. We're in the I am Laurie, Laurie Dunsay. <laughs> I'm delighted to be joined, of course, by Mark Donaldson and our two special guests, Scott Wilson, returning to the podcast, the voice of hearts, the voice of Tynecastle for 20 years. He's still around, even though you maybe don't hear him as much. And of course, John Robertson, who's sporting director at Inverness, Cali Thistle, but more importantly, hearts all-time leading scorer, the hammer of Hibs, a legend of, of Tynecastle. Uh, we're going to chat to both Scott and John about their time at Hearts, about a few other things. I'm sure Mark will take us down a few um, interesting tangents this week. And I'll try and keep things in check. Um, 
or maybe I'll just give up. We'll see how it goes for the next <laughs> hour or so. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. There's a wonderful book out there. Oh. What? What is it? You're interrupting, Scotty, again. <laughs> Let's try that. Let's try that again. There's a wonderful book out there. The game's not over till the fat striker scores. Robbo, my autobiography. Um, self-written. And I tell you what, wee man, this tugged at the heartstrings. I walked out the door with a black plastic bag with my belongings, and that was that. I was no longer a player for Heart and Ability Football Club. It was over. The game was over, and the fat striker would no longer score in Maroon. That is chapter 25. There's a heck of a lot of... I can't hear anything. Whoa, Scotty. Have you done anything with the audio? (laughs) (laughs) You are a plank. Oh, come on, son. What's going on? You've just ruined that. What a magnificent start there, Mark. What a start there. It's just been ruined by Boyd. <laughs> right, before I let you know if I'm going to say that again, Laurie, you're keeping this in or is it getting edited out? Um, if you're keeping it in, I'll explain what's. Why not just keep it in? Scott just Wilson. Keep it in. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so he's sitting there, right? He's not getting his video back on with all his stuff in the back. Can he hear a thing we are saying? Right? Now no. we can't hear him. Maybe he can hear us. But he's like, oh, I normally use Teams when I've got all my important meetings. This is Zoom. I don't know. So he logged in like an hour ago. And he's causing <laughs> chaos. So, Laurie, can you mute Scott right now? We can't he's, hear he's you. No, he's, he's waving. This is an audio only. Can you hear us, Scott? Okay, put thumbs up. Right. Well, we can't hear you, so it's on your end. I don't know what happened. Do you know what it was? <laughs> I had my earpods out. I had been doing a, a, a oh, ad session earlier on and I had you've already mentioned you've dropped Sky Sports you're now talking about ad sessions and all the money you make anything else while we're at it and then I'll get the intro to Robbo never said necessarily I was making money from it it may have been a showreel for a a client in Dubai oh did you hear any of that that we were that was one of the best intros that I've done did you hear any of it Scotty no none whatsoever was it great was it award-winning Yes. Of course it was award-winning. Absolutely. It's, it's about Robbo's ability, not only in the six-yard box, but his ability with a pen. Listen to oh, this, Scotty. I'm going to impressive. say it again. Impressive. I walked out the door with a black plastic bag with my belongings, and that was that. I was no longer a player for Heart of Midlothian Football Club. It was over. The game was over, and the fat striker would no longer score in Maroon. I tell you what, Scotty, before we get to Robbo, you've got, you're nodding. That's impressive. I like that. Because I've read that. Well, everybody's read it that's got a copy of the book. I'm trying to get more people to buy it. Yeah, just say no man, when I wrote it, it didn't sound anything like that. I tell you, you made it sound a hell of a lot better there. Very dramatic there, very award-winning. There you go, there's the audiobook version. Audiobook I think, version you, should, I think you should just read the audio version. I'll, I'll just I'll hire you on the spot. I don't need hire, Robbie. You gave me enough. I'm not doing it for money. I do it for free. I'm not Scott Wilson here. I never said you were getting any money for it. I don't want money for it. Scotty would have charged for it. Uh, but well, I wouldn't Scotty charge you, wee man. Absolutely com- not. Scotty is, a com- Scotty is a commercial uh, monster. He's a commercial that's entity. That's the way it works. He, he is. You would have had loads of journalists saying to you, Robbo, can I write your book for you? You said no to them all. You did it yourself. 
How did that all come about? Uh, just because of lockdown, I think that was the big thing. But also, I just felt, I read the Roy Keane autobiography and I loved the fact a lot of it was about stuff that nobody knew about, the early stuff, because from the moment I joined Hearts to the moment I finished, my story's out there. It's in the mm-hmm. newspaper clippings, it's in it's it's in video, it's in audio, it's all there. But for me, the, the real part of Roy Keane's book, when he talked about his upbringing, the primary school, the secondary school, the boys' clubs and everybody he played with, was quite interesting. Um, and and I, I didn't think somebody who hadn't really seen that or witnessed that could really write about it in the same way as, as, as possibly I could get it out on there. So I just I just kind of thought, you know what, uh, I'll just if I'm going to do it, it's got to, it's got to be me. It's just got to come from me. And you know, as Scott will tell you, he was one of the first to proofread it. It must have taken him about a year and a half. But with all the punctuation, <laughs> all I got was you're not very good at punctuation, wee man, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. I wasn't particularly clever at punctuation. <laughs> but you know, you know what the weird thing is, Scotty and John. When when I did Gary Mackay's book, I, I said to him right at the start, "Look, I have to be you when I'm writing this. I have to use words." that you would use. And then I did Stevie Nichols' book and and Paul Mariner's book. Three different types of people. Sadly, Paul's no longer with us. That was very different. With Stevie Nichols, a bit similar to Gary, Stevie came out with a sentence one day. I said, I can't use that, Stevie. Oh, no, it was a big word. And I said, well, how do I say this without being disrespectful? He goes, oh, fuck it, just say it. I said, well, folk think you're stupid. (laughs) And you, you might not know that word. So we had to change it. That doesn't come into things, Robo, when you're writing your, your own book, because literally you talk about in your own words, but when you're a ghostwriter, it's different. You didn't have that issue, did you? No, that, and that was part of it. As I said, I was I was approached by a few journalists, and they went about, oh, you know, we'll send you questions, or we'll meet up for a, a bite to eat, or we'll ask you all these questions, or record the answers, and then I'll edit it myself and, and put it together. I'm, I'm thinking, nah, that's no... It doesn't work for me that way. I just, I just feel. Listen, you all know who I am. I've, I've been pretty straightforward with my life in general. If, if I'm asked to turn up at something, I'll do my very, very best to get there, and I, I do my very best. And you know, even last week there, I was, I was, you know, spying our uh, Inverness's potential semi-final opponents at Tyne Castle, and <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I went and had a chat with Scott, and and then, and done another couple of lunges as well. Why? Because I was asked, and I don't see it as a a big problem. Uh, it was just, it was nice. It was nice to meet up with a few people, and um, it's always, it's always great to resurrect the the Ant and Dick of Ten Castle. <laughs> I'm the you, you two, you, well, <laughs> you two are even. You've been out on tour. I mean, it's like the re- reincarnation of the Backstreet Boys. I mean, who, who's who's Ant? Who's Dick on tour? Who's itchy? Who's scratchy? Are you Tom or are you Jerry, Scotty? That's a fine point. I'm the Ant. That's the, the intro. When I bring them on stage, I I say that once upon a time we were the Ant and Dick of Scottish football. I'm the Ant. And then you don't need to utter the second line because people put two and two together. The wee man comes on and the crowd go nuts. How did that come about, that the two of you would kind of do some stage show, some after dinner speaking? Because the, the, the plaudits that you've received for it are, are phenomenal. But how did it first come about? Just when Robo was the principal ambassador, how many years was that, wee man? Uh, three years, principal ambassador, and, and it and it came across because we'd always have a chat before the game, but we also had, and we couldn't, and honestly, it's embarrassing now, and we really shouldn't say it, but we couldn't stop giggling about the, the leather footballs that we were 
<laughs> that we managed to uh, turn into a little gold mine um, in the Gorgie Suite, which we, we just looked at each other dumbfounded. And I, I think it's like most things that we, we've got a similar sense of humour. We can bounce off each other, we can ad lib off each other, and it, and it doesn't matter if one's not quite at it, the other one is, and, and we get dragged along with it. And that's what happened with the stage show. Scott knew exactly what, what route he was going to go down, and sometimes he, he would change that, you know, and, and surprise you, especially in the road shows, because depending on the um, the, the makeup of the crowd or the the interest and the, and the, and the laughs that he was getting, uh, he could take it anyway. And that's the, that's the key, I think. When you've got somebody like Scott leading leading the dialogue, um, mm-hmm. it's easy to it's easy to follow, and it's easy to to get on the same wavelength very very quickly, which I think we're we're fortunate we do. Yeah, have you ever been close to being wiped out by some angry punter that you've ripped the piss out of Scotty? Do you know we were talking about that quite recently? Aidan Smith interviewed me for the Scotsman, and he asked for that. So it's forty five years. Uh, people have been paying me to hold a microphone and slave or pish into it. And I've never had a punch in the coupon. And I genuinely don't know why that is. Maybe because there are too many witnesses or or whatever. I, I, it's not that I don't overstep the mark. I do. But I would never humiliate anybody. But I will embarrass them. But there are times when people just, you know, an idea comes into my head. Nowadays, there's a filter Unless the client sends a taxi for me and I turn up and there's a bottle of Balvenie in front of it, then there's no filter there. But generally there's a filter. Something will go through my head and I'll think, number one, is it funny? Number two, is anybody going to be offended? Number three, are they really going to be offended? Number four, well, let's just do it anyway. And then out it comes. But what I do do, Donks, is when I come off stage, if I feel that I have pushed it too far, I'll go over to the table that the person's at, I'll hold out my hand, I'll say thank you for taking that in the spirit it was intended. Mm. Because if I say, I hope you weren't offended, it gives them the opportunity to say, actually, I was. Whereby if I say the other way, taking in the spirit it was intended, then they seem really, really churlish if they go, actually, it was dead offensive. Well, mm. nine of your mates at the table don't seem to think so, pal, mm-hmm. because one of them sprayed red wine all over this white tablecloth, just as I said it. <laughs> so generally, it is, it's all tongue-in-cheek. And if there's something, you would, I would never slaughter anybody with disabilities or anything like that. No, but, of course. You know, if you're overweight, if 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 whatever, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of specific instances, or you're wee, then yes. I'll oh, so I'm wee and overweight. I'm going to take a picture. Too slow. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that in the way it was intended. I'm taking offence. By the way, oh, yeah. Robbo, count to five k. You'll not be. You might still be small after this, but you'll be rapid and you'll be lean. Uh, and lean. I was never. I was never rapid. I was sharp. Uh, was the aspect of it. Remember, remember, Mister Hart said many moons ago, I was too small, too fat, too slow. Yes. Two, two out of three wasn't bad. To be fair, he was a visionary. <laughs> um, but I've lost. Um, I, I was. I was looking there and, I, and my hips sore, and I think I've not been able to do any exercise. And not being able to do an exercise, I put the weight on. I thought, right, I need to get, I need to go and do something. So I, I went on a just a straightforward cut out bread and and nonsense pastas and fizzy drinks and stuff like that. I lost uh, just just uh, around about six kilos and just under seven kilos in six weeks. And then then I, I, I was listening to Scott talking talking about his couch to five k. I thought, you know, actually, the next six weeks, I need to do something like that, something different. It's not just diet in per se. It's, it, let's do something else. So. 
Um, I've lost eight, eight and a half kilos in eight weeks. Oh, so impressive. I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm very, I'm happy with the how I am at the moment. I want to try and... Have you got a target, down. by the way? No, I didn't. And that's, that's the scary thing is I didn't, I didn't target anything. Uh, but now I'm, I'm thinking, well... 27 kilos? No, no, no. 27 kilos, come on. 27 kilos will be deep. <laughs> 27 pounds. If I lost 27 kilos, people wouldn't want to ask me how I lost my weight. They'd be worried about me. <laughs> By the way, 27 kilos, I'd want a game again. <laughs> well, Jimmy M actually tweeted us um, asking which uh, one of Scott or Robo is getting on best with Couch to 5K. Who would win in a race? We, man. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Scott's, no, no, Scott's a runner. Scott, this is this is my first double back into any type of exercise for about 15, 20 years. So um, I'm I'm told, I don't know what's, what pace are you running at, Scott, when you're doing your running on the treadmill? Call it um, whatever. Right, just easy, 9.4 at the moment. Well, that should be a good race because I'm 9.6. So Ooh. that's the fastest, though. I'm normally running about the 9.1, 9.2 mark just to... Keep it, keep it a good pit. So I'd be, I'd be decent. I think we'd, we'd uh, cross the finishing line together in a sporting manner. I think if it's we over would. twelve yards or so. Give it to. Oh, I'd win over twelve yards. <laughs> no question. I'm towing a caravan. He'd be. He's like a whippet. Want to talk more football, uh, hearts and everything like that? But you mentioned Newcastle five minutes ago or something. I actually saw you playing for Newcastle against Norwich at St James's Park. In 1988, my dad went down September 88. You're known or were known as CFAX for any younger listeners. That was a well, how would you describe CFAX, Scotty, in a kind of techno technological thing? Ah, it's a great point, Donkey. It's a bit like a cross between Twitter and Facebook, I guess, but there was no images on it at all. It was only text and it was invariably green on black or yeah, remarkable. How do you tell a kid what that was? Because they'd just laugh. You what? Yeah, if, you, if you say them, page, page, yeah, page 302. Football. It's a text, isn't it? It's a TV text. It's it's kind of a TV text. Yeah. So as someone that, that used to Mark, maybe still this, is known was as... Was this you getting this onto football? I, I am. Hold on. It does, this tangent <laughs> has meaning. Um, This game, Newcastle-Norwich. Do you remember it, first of all, Robbo? September yes, I do remember 18th. it. How many, right, without, before you answer the question of name the players, how many of the 11 do you think you can name that played for Newcastle that day? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, one, two. Oh, go on. Uh, no, uh, nine Could you maybe? Get six? Oh, nine. Nine. Okay, let's see what you can see what you can do. Newcastle Norwich, seventeenth September. Dave go, Dave Bezant? Yes. yes. John Anderson. Yes. Uh, Andy Thorne. Yes. Kevin Scott. Big, yes. big voice at half. Kenny Wharton. No. Left back wasn't he, Kenny Wharton? Okay. Uh, oh, another my. former Hearts player. What era is this, Donkey? Uh, Jack, uh, Dave McCreary played midfield. Yes. Uh, and you got the other one, Dan Jackson, Michael O'Neill. Yes, yes. Mirandinha. No, didn't play that no, game, but he was no, there. Played John Henry. Yes. Uh, who's the left back? Um, Brian Tinian. Oh, what a shout that is! Andy Thorne was in that team. 
He mentioned him. Do you know? Listen. Oh, did he? Yes. All oh, right. Okay. I just had this vision of something I couldn't remember. There you go. There you are. Plus, and you, plus yourself. And myself. And you've got one more. You've got that's ten, which is so, excellent. That's amazing. So, hold on. So Dave Besant, back four was Anderson, Thorn, Scott, Tinian. Yep. Then John Hendry would be on the right. Then yep. Michael Neal would probably be on the left. Yep. I would be up front with Darren Jackson. So it's yep. Dave McCreary and another midfield player. Yes. Uh, um, the guy, Bogey. No, no, Bogey. Bogle. Bogey. No, it wasn't Bogey. But he played. It was Ian. It was Ian. It was Ian, was Ian Bogey. Bogey. There Scotty. you go. <clears throat> Ian Bogey. How? Oh. Scott Wilson. How'd you get that? Because Robo, this is, we talk about this on tour on his his new. We know these things. We 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 interact with each other. We're on the same wave wavelength. And who scored Robo? Did former no, we got beat, we got Robert beat, Fleck? We got beat two 0 Robert Fleck. I sent you Googled this. Robert, Robert Fleck. Fleck and the former Rangers player got the other goal. No, Robert Fleck was a former Rangers player, wasn't he? There was another former Rangers player. Both were former oh. Rangers players. Don't know. Don't know. Drinko. Dale Gordon. Dale Gordon was it? Well, Brian Gunn played in goals. He did. Um, so and that's us back to... twice. I nearly scored twice. He stopped me twice. That's us kind of go back to football. So... I was out with Ian Mercer last time I was home. He's like, I, I got Robbo back to hearts. Do you have any recollection <laughs> of this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, it's it's a it's another one of these folklore ones because remember when I came back, everybody says, "Oh, um, Ramas paid your wages for a whole year." Blah 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 blah. The local he didn't pay my wages. He paid a percentage <clears throat> of it towards the club, but. I mean, the story goes, Wallace Mercer says the story goes that Hearts had brought Fergie to replace me. They, they weren't, weren't doing particularly well. They were doing okay, but they weren't scoring enough goals. And and he said, you know, I think they sat down at some dinner and, and he said, well, I think we're struggling. We might need to go back and get John Robertson. And, he, and Ian said, well, who else has got to score goals for, for Hearts, Dad? He's done it before, he'll do it again. And so just go and get him back. Stop messing about, just go and get him back. And literally... Wallace picked up the phone, phone Newcastle and says, right, what do you want? Uh, we want that. That's what we've been bid. We want more than that. So he bid more than that and that was it. Back up the road. Do you regret going down in the first place? No, or... not, a, not, a, not at all. Listen, it's experience. Scott will tell you, Lord will tell you, life's all about experience. You've done it yourself. Do you, you know, Would you regret going to America or would you regret leaving London to work for Sky Sports or that to London to go to America? I went down, tried it. It just, it, I, I wasn't a fit there. You've got, I said already, they're bigger, stronger, quicker. Um, in Scotland, if they were a small centre half, they were quick. If they were a big centre half, they were slow. In England, they were huge athletes, strong, the whole thing. It just, English football didn't work out for me a wee bit like it didn't work out for Alan McCoist. He came back after he spilled at Sunderland and went on to break all the records at Rangers. So, I don't regret it. It's less like saying, do you regret not winning the dance part? Yeah, you regret it, but you wouldn't have not tried it. You wouldn't want to be in that position uh, to have won the league last game of the season. It's the same thing. I never, there's nothing in my career I regret. There are frustrations, frustrations at not winning the league, frustrations at not winning the cup the following week, frustrations at losing seven or eight semi-finals. But yeah, you know, that's all part of life. It's all part of learning. You, you know, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anything. I would love to have won the league. Yeah, that that eighty six for all the lads that played in it, we deserved to win the league. Um, it hurt at the time. It still hurts a wee bit now, but at least we gave it a go. At least we were there, we had the chance, um, and it, we just didn't go over the line. Scotty, what's your memories of May nineteen eighty six, and 
and how close hearts came because I'm convinced if we'd won the league, we would have won the cup. No, without a shadow, without a shadow. I remember I was playing at the time and we had an early kickoff the week before and we went to Town Castle and we played against Clyde Bank, second last game of the season. The players came out and lined up and waved to the fans before it. And then we went out, and I remember standing to the, the the guys I was with and saying, we need to score a barrel load today. And I think we won 1-0. Was it Gary Mackay scored yeah. the goal? Right back, and yeah. I said to the lads as we were leaving, I've got a horrible feeling about next week. And, yeah, that's what I remember. Gutted. So I was playing a Scottish Cup semi and at Patty's Road or something like that. I had a radio in my, my glove bag, and we conceded more corners that day than we'd, we'd ever mm. done just so that people could listen, and then finally uh, got back. I think we had the Snooker and Squash Club in Slateford, and then the results were coming up, and it said at the bottom, Celtic won the league, and I was absolutely gutted, absolutely gutted, because that should have been our, our oh, title. No. And I know a lot of people say that yeah, we had it in our own hands, and we did, etc. but things conspired against us, and I still hold a grudge for St Murden for throwing it that day. Well, you'd never guess, given what you've said over the past 20 years about St. Lydown and everything like that. But the thing is, Robble, <clears throat> I, I don't know who the original referee was meant to be, but it wasn't going to be Bill Crombie. The right, original David referee Syme. for David Syme. There David you go. Syme. And David Syme uh, pulled a hamstring on a calf muscle on a Thursday at the training, at the West Scotland uh, training. And the only available referee was Bill Crombie. And I say yeah. there was a lot of pressure on him. He, You know, there's the folklore that he was approached in Waddy's, the printers where he worked, you know, you'll be all right, you'll look after Hearts tomorrow. And he and he had allegedly said, unless somebody actually saves it with two hands on the line, nobody's getting a penalty. And, of course, there was a very, very strong claim for a penalty on Sandy Clark. You were assaulted. Oh, was Sandy. Sandy assaulted. Sandy was fouled by Colin Hendry. It yep. was Colin Hendry. Yep. It was, it was a penalty Hendry. and we never got it. And yeah. they say, you know, we... We might have got the penalty, we could have scored and gone on to win the league, we could have scored and gone on and still lose the game, but we'll never know. But I've no doubts whatsoever had we gone in front, we would have we'd have seen it out. We would have seen you it. You would have, you would have taken the penalty if we'd been given no, it. No, no, I'd have scored the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> did that and everything that happened on Tayside at Dens Park, did that make nineteen ninety eight? And the Scottish Cup final went even more special, Rubble. Of course, absolutely, because you'd, you'd seen, you know, nearly two decades of, of players come and go. And, you know, we still had opportunities. I mean, I said that in the book, you know, if you look back in it, the, the, the missed opportunities. We lost <clears throat> we lost to St Mirren in the semi-final, Airdrie twice in the semi-final. Mm. We lost to Celtic in a semi-final when we were 1-0 up a minute to go. We lost to Rangers at Celtic Park when we were ahead and by far the better team. So we lost five of those semi-finals. We lost three League Cup semi-finals um, and then we'd lost two Scottish Cup finals and a League Cup final. So you look at all those opportunities. We'd finished runners-up twice because, I say, a lot of people forget 98, our, our last few matches, we drew one all with St. Johnson. At home, we drew one all with Motherwell at home. We lost. Well, you're not two nil up against Hibs in January. But we lost. We lost two uh, one at Easter Road. No, but the we... Tencastle game, Andy Walker. Were Hearts not two nil up in that game? And Andy Walker scored one or uh, two. I, I think that was a different game. I think that was a different one. Right. There was there, but I don't think it was that that year. But right. we. But if you look at last six games, say we drew one all at home at Motherwell, one all at home at St Johnson. Mm -hmm. We lost two one to Hibs. We lost three 0 to Rangers. We drew two two Aberdeen. 
And then we beat Dunfermline 3-0 and we only finished five points behind Celtic who won the league. Hmm. Laurie, here's a question for you about Robbo. 1998 Scottish Cup final, unused sub. Week before, Hearts played Dunfermline at Tyne Castle. What position did Robbo play in that game, his last start for Hearts? That's a, a good question. I'm going to guess it's not um, a traditional position he played. I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm going to say wide right. Okay, Scotty, do you remember? Centre half. <laughs> Robbo, clear it up, pal. I played, I played in the number 10, the newly given number 10 role, because uh, Colin Cameron had missed the last five or six games with a pelvic problem. Yeah, And Jim Jeffrey did say, Luke, it's touch and go whether we'll make it for the cup final. I'm changing the formation next week. We're going to play a, a 4-2-3-1. And if Mickey doesn't make it, you're going to be the one playing behind Stefan Adam. So I played there, got man of the match, and didn't get picked because Mickey made it, thankfully, and sent us on our way to glory. We've got a question, actually, Robo, just on that. Jamie messaging says, Undoubtedly, my most bittersweet memories of Jambo is seeing my childhood hero, Robo, finally lift the Scottish Cup, but as an unused substitute. How did he feel at the time, and how does he reflect on it now? Listen, I've said it a million times. It, it wasn't about me. It was about the team. It was about the club winning the Cup. Um, and it was it was just I was as elated as anybody you'll see from the celebrations uh, celebrate as, as well as anybody and listen Jim Jeffries tried to put us on not for not for just uh, for a vanity case not just for sentimental reasons he, you know Stephen Fulton was a bus ball it was about 95 <laughs> degrees and Steve Fulton was a bus ball Mickey had run himself into the ground and it was all going uh, you know, Jim Hamilton had gone on and was back playing as an emergency centre half by that stage. And the, the plan was quite simple. Grant Murray was going to play Stevie Fulton in the midfield and sitting there with Stefano, and I was going to play up front and just try and chase balls at the corner flag. And then, as that was about to happen, um, you know, literally in the 90th minute, Gary Naismith got a, a ball in the face, and, and Alan Ray came back and says, Look, um, I think he's got concussion. And to which Billy Brown says, "How do you know?" He says, <laughs> "Well, he's ta- he's 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 talking in riddles. I can't understand them, and he's not making any sense." Billy Brown says, "There's <laughs> fuck all wrong with him." <laughs> so we waited, and eventually, three or four minutes later, Gary gave the thumbs up. He was okay, but and then insanely, the ball wouldn't go to play either. It was one of the things. Mm. But trust me, even now, I don't care. I generally don't care. You know, there's there's people out there. We talk about people not getting offended or getting offended with stories. If I'd gone for 30 seconds or two minutes, you'll still have people who come back and go, yeah, you only cut 98, but you only gone for two minutes. you never done anything anyway. So, true, listen, there's a winner's medal there. And that's, that's the for me, that was right. a big thing. And as I said, it wasn't it wasn't about me. When you see the, the reaction with the team, the reaction for the staff, but more importantly, the reactions of the fans for, you know, after the game and then all the way back to Tynecastle, it was fantastic. The Sunday was incredible. The weather was unbelievable. The, the, the weather was incredible. The Monday was incredible because it was a bank holiday Monday. The weather was still good there. Uh, the Tuesday was good. The Wednesday was no bad. The Thursday <laughs> was damn fine. I think I got home on the Friday. I think I got home on the Friday. Probably not, it... probably not the reason I'm divorced now. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking Craig David song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. At is, the it, time. is it true that were, were you the one that told 
either Billy or Jim and Billy that it wasn't actually a penalty for Rangers at the end because the yes. linesman had his flag up. Yeah, uh, it's it, listen. It, it, you can call it a curse. It's the same as a manager. It's the same when I'm a pundit. Um, it was the same as a player. When you play centre forward and you score a goal, not that it would make any difference today due to our friends at VAR, but mm. when you score a goal or did score a goal in my era, the first thing you checked as you wheeled away to celebrate was that the linesman wasn't standing there with his flag up because mm. there's nothing worse than celebrating a goal and then you find out that the linesman's got his flag up. So the first thing you always checked was you... You had a look, if you run that way, you had a look. If the line was running back to halfway line, party on. Um, and it was the same as as a player watching if I was off uh, the pitch or in the stands, if a goal was scored, and it's the same today, still the same today. As soon as a goal scored, I always look at the linesman. And so when McCoy's went through and was brought down, the whole Rangers bench jumped up. And, and Wally Young obviously um, pointed to the spot. And I, as he jumped up, I just glanced over and I saw the linesman standing with his flag up. And, and I said that, I said, Jim, it's not a penalty. Gaffer, it's not a penalty, Billy, it's not a penalty. Hey, what do you mean? I said, look, the linesman's got his flag up. The linesman's standing with his flag up. It's, it's offside or something. Uh, and of course, when it all calmed down, he gave the free kick, which thankfully, uh, Amoruso smashed into the, mm. the rose head of the crowd. Yeah, Amoruso let it run in the second half for Stefan's <laughs> goal and then and blasted off. Funnily enough, Rangers played Dundee United at Anadice prior to that in the midweek. George uh, George Alberts got sent off for violent conduct. Correct. Now, if he'd just received two yellows, then he would have missed the first league game of the next season, but he missed the cup final, and therefore couldn't he take that free kick? So it's weird how, how things work. Scott, you remember the pink newspaper? Yeah. Summer of 1998, there was this saga ongoing. Robbo was leaving Hearts. Where's he going to end up? Correct me if I'm wrong, Robbo, but I'm sure that there were suggestions in the papers. You can t- fill us in with the real story that Hibs wanted you. Aberdeen wanted you. You ended up at Livy, but was there ever a chance that summer that you could have been a Hibs player? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was the aspect of it was that the, you know, Hearts had said, you know, Jim, I felt I could still keep going at least another year, but you know, I'd been on the bench most of that season and I'd been put out on loan to Dundee and Jim just felt at the time that, look, you know, we've won the cup, it's a good time to leave, it's, it's the best time to leave, John, you're on a high um, and there was, it wasn't Aberdeen, Motherwell, Motherwell came in uh, and Hibs came in and it was the, it was a, it was a little uh, Icelandic guy uh, or Finnish guy who was the manager of Motherwell at the time um, and Motherwell was saying, look, we want to give you a deal but the manager wants you to come on trial for two weeks. And I'm saying, hold on a minute, I'm the heart's top goal scorer of all time uh, in the league, uh, Cup, uh, Europe, and Derby. I says, I don't I do not do trial. I'm 34 year old. I don't do trials. Uh, you either sign me or you don't sign me. And, and as that was happening, we got a phone call from Alec McLeish saying, Look, you know, I'd like to bring you to Hibs. We're, we're, we've been relegated. We're in the championship. There'll not be any crossover, John. You know, would you like would you like to come down and talk to us? And I said, Alec, look, I says, what you offer, and he told me what they were offering. I said, go and, go and confirm that, and if that's the case, I'll have a chat uh, with my agent, uh, Bill McMurdo, and then we'll get back to you, if that's the case, I said. But I'm no, I'm no messing about. That's what I'm looking for. And he went away, and, and from what I'm hearing, Rod Petrie says, no, we're not signing him. We can't sign him. It's, it's not the right person to sign. I'm not going to do well with the fans. Uh, so we just left it at that. And as I say, I went through uh, to, to become player coach at Livingston, because by that time... 
I was heeding Paul Hegarty's advice of, you know, say, use your last year or two playing to get yourself tucked in somewhere for the coaching. Mm-hmm. Scott, how would you have felt if Rob had gone house? I would have been absolutely devastated. Absolutely devastated. I, at that point, he wasn't just my hero, he was my pal. Mm. And I would have been absolutely gutted. I would have understood it because everybody has to learn a living somewhere, but no, they are. Likewise. And and ha- having come so close to joining them at the start of your career. Oh, I mean, dunks. that bit oh. of the book, I still shite myself reading that bit of the book, and I know what happens. <laughs> Scott, Scott, they hibs it. That was the yeah. first part. That was the very, very first hibs <laughs> it. It was there. It was there in front of them. It was all there, all ready to go, all ready to sign, and Tom Hart hibs it. Thank God for Rocky, because he was the reason. Yeah, well, he was the reason that Hibs blamed for it. I know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, but, uh, nobody at Rangers is getting to see a Hibs contract. Correct, and that was it. And you walk out here and never wear a Hibs strip ever again. Fine, no problem at all. Yes. Nobody's there, as I say, the, and the rest they say is history. I wonder if it mm-hmm. annoyed Tom Hart at any stage. That's one of these things. I wonder if he ever, he ever thought, shit, I made a mistake there. Well, you, you kept punishing him. That wasn't punishment. It wasn't punishment, uh, Donkey. Don't be see. You're going to offend people. It wasn't punishment. It was just pure enjoyment. <laughs> what, what was it? You said the first twenty six were punishment. No, it was my big brother George. My big brother George said that one day. I had a drink them, and he it says, you know, twenty seven goals. You know, was it? Well, it was all for revenge. I went, no, no. I said the first twenty six were for revenge. The twenty seventh was just for the hell of it. <laughs> Yeah, was there a goal? Everyone's probably asking, oh, what's your favourite goal against Hibs or all that? Your first Premier League goal was against Hibs and your last Premier League goal was against Hibs, is that right? That is correct. There you go. Is there a goal that not, I'd say not many can remember, we, we all remember them, but is there one that you kind of, isn't your favourite, but you fondly remember it for what reason? Yeah, there, there is, well, the, the best one was the first one against Hibs, as I say, the, the goal that was unfortunately not caught on camera because of the Edinburgh Marathon uh, for BBC and then our own in-house one went in fire after just after half-time. But that was the, honestly the best goal I've ever scored. Um, it all, as I said in the book, it, 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 to me it seemed to happen in slow motion, but for everybody that was there, it happened in the blink of an eye. You know, it just it came out the air, I pulled it down, Henry Smith's long clearance, Pulled it down, nutmegged after dunk, nutmegged Jackie McNamara name from the corner of the box, bent it into the top left-hand corner over Alan Ruff that it clipped the bar in the post at the same time and went in. But it happened like, boom, it was a goal. But for me, it, honestly, I, I felt like I was I was in slow motion. And I, and I don't know if that's something that you know people talk about, you know, you go on and you score goals and you seem to find space. Whenever, whenever we go into the opposition box... To me, everything seemed to be going in slow motion around me. And it allowed me to... I was still going full speed, but everybody else was in slow motion. So I could get into the... I could see where the ball was coming and get into those holes and, and get into the areas to go and score the goals. Whereas, in reality, it wasn't. But the goal... The goal that that probably I enjoyed quite good, was quite good as well was, it, it, was a straight, it was against Infermal at East End Park and we were struggling. We were down to 10 men and we were struggling and... The, the pars were throwing everything at us and the ball was clear and the two centre-halves that day were Norman McCarthy and Neil Cooper both sadly no longer with us two great guys and Neil Cooper Tati blasted one away and it hit me right in the bollocks 
just <laughs> just inside our half. And the pain was excruciating, and I felt sick. And I thought, I need to keep running here, because if I stop, I'm going to be sick. And I kept running, and, I, and eventually got to 25 yards route, cut inside Neil Cooper, cut inside Norm McCarthy, and smashed one at the bottom right-hand corner past uh, <clears throat> Ian Westwater. And I, I went I went behind the goals, and I slid, in, I slid down behind the goals in celebration, and the Dunferma fans thought I was taking the piss at them. But I was to slide down so I could be physically sick. <laughs> and I would actually spewed up inside of the park and then go up and then wandered all the way back. And the pain was still actually ringing away there for a while. Uh, but it was satisfying because I was running in the most extreme pain I've ever had in my life. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Laurie, um, the, the structure is going along swimmingly right now. Where are you going to take us right now? Are you going to stick to, to script like we've been doing? Uh, yeah, well, the reason... The reason I've not been able to try and keep it structured is because oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid. Um, uh oh, uh oh, oh, he's waking he's woken up. He was yeah. waking up. He, he was. He was. Oh no, there's a cat. There's a cat on the desk as well. It's all. It's all chaos here. Um, I tell you what, I'm gonna. I'm gonna use the um, the wonders of social media and get a question for a robo from here. Graham says, um, "What's the best advice you were given as a young player?" Also, my son, who is 11, is a striker uh, for his team. So what is the best advice you could give to him? Uh, best advice, it, it came in all shapes and forms. You know, Willie Gibson, for example, was, was and Willie Pettigrew were always the advocates. Hit the ball early. Hit the, don't let, you know, Scott will know this. A goalkeeper, the longer you take to make your mind up where you're going to hit it, the more chance the goalie has of reading what you're going to do or guesses what you're going to do. So Pettigrew and Gibson were always hit it early, hit it early, hit it fast. And Jimmy Bone was one that, that took me aside and really, and he's no called feather for uh, for no reason, was that he sat me down and went, do you understand what you're going to have to do to make it in this game? And I, and I was like, what do you mean make it in the game? I've made it in the game. I'm, I'm playing the Hearts first team. You know, we're in the championship playing the Hearts first team. He went, no, 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 son. He says, I mean, play at the game at the highest level. He says, you're five foot six. You're 11, you're 11, just over 11 stone. He says, you're going to get eaten alive by these big centre halves. They're going to smack you over the park. And don't forget, in an area where a, a defender could get five or six chances to break my leg, to get me off the pitch before he would be red carded. Oh, and all five, six offences today would be straight red cards. Um, he says, you're going to have to toughen up and learn the game. You play your back to goal. It's the hardest position. You're playing your back to goal. These boys are going to come through you. The referee's not going to protect you. You're going to have to protect yourself. So you're going to have to learn the dark arts. And, and he taught me the dark arts about where to leave your studs hanging when they're clearing the ball up the line and standing on their toes and, and pulling them and bumping them and as the balls come up. I mean, for a wee guy, I won a lot of headers in there. And and people thought, oh, you must be good in there. It wasn't as good in there. What I was doing was I was jumping into defenders, not jumping straight. I was jumping into them early, bumping in and make sure they couldn't get a, a big jump. And, and I remember, you know, the strange one is that I remember speaking to Alan McLaren saying after the game we played Rangers and I battered Alan McLaren over the park that night. And he and he didn't he said I didn't realise how clever Robo was as a striker because when you play with him you didn't see this. You didn't see what he does to defenders. 
But when you play against him, he's fucking all over you. He smacks you, bumps you, he's got his arse into you, he's elbowing you in the stomach, he's throwing a hand in your face. He wasn't used to all that kind of stuff uh, from me. Um, I've got to say the other times, he, he played me very, very well indeed. Such a good player he was. So that was a big one, was you got to learn to look after yourself because these guys are going to kick you in the, and the higher up you go, the better they're going to be, the quicker they're going to be. You've got to find their weak spots, and, but you have to be able to play with your back to go. Um, and that was the aspect of it. And and so they, and then Sandy Clark was about linking play, keeping hold of the ball, making sure didn't give it away. Um, and for the young lads, it's, and this, I have made no apologies for saying this whatsoever, is just keep scoring goals. If you're a striker, just keep scoring goals. Don't listen to this rubbish about link up play. Don't worry about this rubbish about assists. Just keep scoring goals. Goal after goal after goal. I love watching the boy Haaland at the moment. He just wants to score goals all the time, all the time, all the time. And don't don't be mistaken by smells. He's raging when he's getting taken off. Five goals after 56 minutes. I would have been punching Alan McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> saying, what are you doing? I'm staying on. I want to score more and more and more. So for a young striker, keep scoring goals. Just keep scoring. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be scared. Don't get fed up. Just keep scoring goals. Franklin's on that good. note, on that note, Rob, I was going to just ask, where would you play Lawrence Shankland if um, yeah. if you had Lawrence Shankland in, a, in your Listen, team? Listen, you know, uh, Robbie knows what he's doing, but but I would suggest you've seen Lawrence this season. He's played most of the games as a as a striker, and that's where he's got most of his most of his goals. He's a penalty box player. Get him in there. It's it's strange because he seemed to have done the same with Liam Boyce. Liam Boyce was a striker, an out and out striker, but then Robbie started playing a wee bit deeper. And I get it, the formation they're playing, they'll want to play generally through the middle because his pace will drag teams back and allow the little pockets inside, old inside right, old inside left positions for the likes of Mackay and Shanklin to go and play in because they they're talking about three four three. But if you watch Hearts attack, Bar Mackay drifts in ten yards. Shanklin drifts in 10 yards. It's like a little box that they play with the two central midfield players and Ginelli beyond it. And it's the it's the the wing backs who who give the width. So, you know, I'd like to see Lawrence through the middle. That's where he's at his most effective. But as I say, you know, up until the last three results, you've got to say Robbie's called it right. He's he's got the right, big results, especially in the derbies. And I say up until the two Celtic matches and then the Aberdeen game. Um, there wasn't much to gamble about. Fair point. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't deliberately leading to that one. It was just with what you said. I thought it'd be interesting to. No, and I'm sure Lawrence will feel the same. Lawrence is a very good all-round player, as is Liam Boyce. But personally, I like if you've got if you've got somebody who who's become the first guy to score twenty plus in thirty odd years, then play him in the position where he was scoring the goals. You know what I mean? Get him, get him through the middle. Um, if you can, but as I say, I I can see what Robbie's trying to do. He's got he's got the. If you look at the formation, Lawrence drifting in gives the back four a problem. If he drifts inside, does the fullback come with him? If the fullback doesn't come with him, then he'll get in the ball and cause problems. If the fullback does come, it leaves the space down the flanks for Michael Smith on that side. If you see Barry McKay on the other side, he drifts in. Um, if the fullback comes in with him, it's Cochrane or Kingsley, whoever. We'll use the width there. If they don't come in, they go and play. And I say, Ginelli's pace will keep the two central defenders um, back the park. Um, that's mm. the way it is. But as I say, you want 
you want Lauren Shanklin in the box, you want Ginelli in the box, you want Liam Boyce in the box, uh, you want um, Humphreys in the box when they're playing because they say they can score goals. The manager right now is, is he's come in for a fair bit of, of, of stick over the past three results because of what's happened. Um, however, how much of that is he hearing? How much of that does he even care about? And when you were a manager, Robbo, and I know you're you're on Instagram, but you don't do many other social media. Is it just noise or can it get personal? It, it depends how much into social media you are. See, I, I, I kind of come to an era where there was very little social media. And when it was when it was going in, whilst I was a manager, I, I didn't really get involved. I was never on it. It didn't bore me. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said to players in the past, as their manager... If you want to, if you want to read criticism, if you want to read uh, bad stuff, if you want to read frustrations, then go online. That on you go. It's up to you. If you don't want, to, if you're fragile and, and you don't like to be criticised or you don't like to be offended, don't go online. It's a pretty straightforward thing. If you you know, if you want to read what people are saying about you, who don't know you, who know nothing about you, who know nothing about how you work, they're they're just giving an observation and an assessment, then fine, go online. It's, it's never been something for me. Uh, I don't think it'll bother Robbie. I think his, his mannerisms and the way the way he's, he's lived his, his career and his life, especially as a manager, he'll, he'll, he'll hear bits and bobs here from fans at games, as you do. You will, you will hear criticism from there. Will he be online uh, reading what's on the, the, the forums and stuff like that? No chance. Not, not a hope in hell. He'll just go on his job. Um, as you said, you know he's he's he survived Brora, uh, the Brora result, and and went on to to do great things uh, in terms of winning the championship, and then he's he's been to a couple of cup finals or three cup finals in four or five years. His remit this season will have been to finish third uh, again, and obviously, and you no, know, they'll be pushing on to get a trophy. Uh, okay, that's not happened, but. I think if he finishes third again, it's mm-hmm. it's a good achievement. I think the disappointing aspect this year was was looking at the squad. It seemed and and how we finished last year. It looked like you know could we you know the, the next small step would be could we close the gap in points from Rangers or Celtic above us? But I mean that's probably might be might be seen as a, a disappointing thing because I mean I think so, what is it thirty forty points. Of a difference, which is astonishing, um, but that's down to the fact that Celtic have only lost one game, and I think, yeah, you know, I don't think Michael Beale's lost a league game since he's come back. So it'll not bother Robbie. I, honestly, I, I know, I know his makeup, I know the strength of character he's got. Um, he'll just be getting on with his job, and he'll be focusing on the first part of the remit, and that's making sure finish third, qualify for Europe again, and and hopefully get group football. Back at Hearts because they say that you don't get all the rewards. You don't get all the rewards this year for finishing Europe because the money gets paid out in, in tranches, but later on. But the aspect of the fact is that you know if they finish third again, it's worth another f- group football's worth five million pounds. Yeah, but uh, but hold on, hold on here. You lot could fuck it right up for us. That's the last Caledonian to win the cup. It's not if donkey, it's when. It's not if, it's when. But hold on a minute, we're not we're not fucking anything up because there's nothing to stop Hearts actually going out and winning their qualifying games and qualifying for group football by their own steam. But uh, 
Listen, uh, we are not getting carried away. Ourselves and Falkirk got the dream draw for each other. Um, so one of us is going to uh, A, get a payday, but B, have another wonderful opportunity to win the cup. Um, and as I say, you know, whoever gets there, I'm hopeful it's us. I'm very, very, very hopeful. We've got a good chance, but you know, John McGlynn and Falkirk will feel the same way. Um, and, you know, I, I would I would do nothing. Nothing would please me greater than... Inverness to to win the Scottish Cup. That'd be fantastic. Isn't it, isn't it weird, Scotty, that had you and Henderson not played at <laughs> Queen's Park? <laughs> Rob was saying that on stage as well. It's unbelievable. And, uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle would like to thank Hearts for loaning Ewan Henderson to Queen's Park because <laughs> had they not done so, they wouldn't be in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. That's frightening. That's frightening. Rob, we'll just want to wrap things up a little bit with, with Scotland. 16 goals. A sixteen goals, sixteen caps, and three goals um, for for Scotland at a time where we had some right top strikers. You're proud, I imagine, of getting sixteen. Is it? I wish I got more. Or are you happy to have sixteen and those three goals against Romania no, and Switzerland and Ecuador? It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. I've got to say that yes, there was some. You know, when you go back, I think I think the very first Scotland squad I got called in it was in '86. Just before, it was a week before we played Dundee, Gary Mackay and I were called into a squad to play Holland in a friendly. Um, but you look at that night, you know, you had, you had uh, up front was, it was Kenny Dalglish, believe it or not. Um, Kenny Dalglish was up front for Scotland. Alan McCoist came on um, as a sub that night, I think, to make his debut. Um, but then you had, you know, Mo Johnson, Frank McAvenny, um, Brian McClare, uh, Charlie Nicholas. Uh, you had uh, Alan McAnally, um Eric Black, you know, boys of that ilk, you know, Alan McCoist. Um, but you looked at it and thinking, right, okay, it's going to be a thing. But my, the frustrating thing for me was 1990 because, I say, Scotland qualified for the World Cup, I had a very good season, finished top domestic goal scorer, won the Golden Boot uh, in Scotland. And Scotland were the only nation not to take their top domestic goal scorer, uh, which was a real boot in the. The he haws uh, when that happened. And that was, well, obviously they just didn't. Obviously Andy Oxworth fell at the time. He, he took, I think, he took Morris Johnson, Alan McInally, uh, Brian McClare, Gordon Jury, Alan McCoyst, and the last spot was between myself and Robert Fleck, who was playing for Chelsea at the time. But he'd only scored about six or seven goals. And but the annoying thing for me at that stage was that I had I hadn't even been capped. I had no caps whatsoever. I was twenty. Six year old, I'd scored over 150, 160 goals for Hearts, um, and still hadn't had a sniff of a cap. And I thought, well, at least I'll get one of the friendlies. They'll give me a chance. They'll play me one of the three friendlies before they go to Italy. Um, and basically, they named the squad and said, no, no, this is a squad that's going to the World Cup. So these are the three boys that are going to. I played in two B internationals against Yugoslavia and East Germany or something. I was like, nah, nonsense. Because we all, we all turned up knowing that we weren't going to be in the squad unless there was injuries. Um, so frustrated. That was a big frustrated part. And then, unbelievably, um, I think four guys retired from international football. Yeah, Robert three Fleck, months later, whatever. you're in the squad and scoring. And then you're in the squad and scoring. So, listen, again, but again, even then, I was in scoring early and then you're left out and then you're left out of a squad and you're brought back into a squad and, you know, it was, it was very stop, start, stop, start. And it was funny because my very last cap was against Sweden away in a friendly. I played quite well. We lost to all, but I played well. 
And I was in a bath after the game, and Alec Miller, the, the you know the ex of his manager, then I think it was at Liverpool at the time, and saying he sat and looked to me, and went, you know what? He said, I would never pick you for an international squad. And I just I, I looked at him, and I went, pardon? He said, I would never pick you for an international squad. He said, actually, I tell a lie. If we if we we're a home international, I'd pick you, and I'd keep you, maybe put you on the bench. If we needed a goal the last five ten minutes, I'd chuck you on because you're ever, you're always likely to get us a goal. But you're no athletic. It was the old hips thing again. Right? You're no athletic. You're not big enough, tall enough. Quick enough, and I was looking. I'm thinking, Alex, are you listening to yourself? You are the Hibs manager. Uh, while I've scored all these goals against you, you know exactly what I can do. <laughs> and he, and wow. I was just looking. I'm thinking, wow. Um, but it was that's part of the thing was I've probably looked at and they thought, nah, he's no, he's no six foot two, six foot three. He doesn't run like the wind. He's no great in the air. But I was a goal scorer. Um, and I say, um, you know, I, I, I don't. Again, is there frustrations there? It's a bit like the, the semis and the finals. Yeah, there's frustration because I believe, I genuinely believe, I should have got more than 16 caps. I I, mm -hmm. I can't believe, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't imagine anybody in Scottish football today would get to the age of 26 with more than 160 uh, first-team goals for a for the third biggest club in the country and not get an international cap. Well, the weird thing is, because of the preference of the manager, Alex Ferguson, to play Miller and McLeish, Alan Hansen only got 26 caps for his country. What would he get these days? Great player. Who did you get capped against in 1993, wee man? 1993. 93. So that would be the World Cup 94. Uh, it would probably be Malta. Another one, because I've got the jersey here. You gave me it for my 40th in a frame. Uh, Malta was definitely one of them, because it, be be it was a World Cup qualifier. Mm, don't know what it was. Switzerland, Switzerland, uh, Malta, we also 93. Who was in our group? Italy was 93 as well. No, not them. Uh, Italy, Malta, who else was in our group? Unless you've just made it up and you were struggling for a 40th birthday present for me. <laughs> well, well, who is it? You Esto tell me. Estonia. Yes, Estonia away. Correct. Estonia, Estonia away, we won 3-0. And, and the boy Mark Poom, I could have had a hat trick that night. Mark Poom had three unbelievable saves for me. So Did yes, Estonia away, and that was that was before the famous Estonia away game where they, they refused turn to turn up. Never turned up. Yeah, that was before that. John Robertson to break the league goal-scoring record. Robertson shot goal, and Tate Castle goes wild. John Robertson again, persistence, chance to run at Jürgen Bjorklund. He's inside of Robertson, this is a chance for a goal, Robertson! It's a great goal by John Robertson! He's not only broke the record, he's smashed it! You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, we are joined by Scott Wilson, the voice of hearts, the former voice of hearts, and John Robertson, the hammer of Hibs and hearts, of course, record goal scorer. Uh, let's see what other questions we've got from social media. We'll fire some quickly at the lads. Um, Mike Bradley messaged with one for each of you. First up for Scott. The best goal you saw Robbo score? Canadice. Undeniably. That's a lazy one. No, it's a 30 yard, <laughs> fantastic goal. Maybe 40 yards. Okay, if that's a lazy one, do you want a better one? 
I think the only one that made me cry, wee man, and that was when you broke the record, the penalty Rangers against game. Rangers. Yes, I'll give you that one. That no, the weaving run. Not the other it's goal, a great though. story, great story, Laurie, in Robbo's book that he, he tells about that. We go, wee man, I don't know if you just want to tease it so that people go out and buy the book, which is available from Amazon, Amazon, Watersons, and lots of other good booksellers, or whether you want to talk about it, because it's a great story. No, it just that the the aspect was obviously it was it was nervous. It was a penalty with a couple of minutes to go, and I'll think myself right first time ever. I'm just going to smash it down the middle. That's it. I'll just smash it down the middle. The boy Dibble will dive. Go done. Got on my head. Walk back, and all I could hear was McCoyst and Gascoigne and that saying, "Hey PC, PC, hey Dibble," and like, what is it? Just stand still. Let them score. Well, that was score, and I was like, well, you should shut the fuck up. I, I, I was going to hit do the middle, so I, I hit the reset button and thought, no, I'll stick to the usual wee man, hit low hard, keepers right, your left, scored the goal, turned round, and the first three guys to uh, congratulate me were Richard Goff, Gordon Jury, and Alan McCoyst. <laughs> well, we'll turn it. Out. We'll turn this one around. So the question for Robbo is the funniest Scott Wilson moment when doing hospitality. Ah, uh, there's just there's too many of them, honestly. Yes, it's it, the Matt. Honestly, I love him to death, and and he's he's one liners at times are fantastic. And it, and the thing is, what I love about him as well is he's got that twinkle in his eye, that devilment that when you tell him not to do something, no. there's absolutely no chance he is not going to do it. And I think it was our friend Anne Park at Hearts had said to Scott, Scott done this joke every, it was at the start everywhere, he talked about the guy, he picked somebody who was very well dressed and give them a stick about saying, and I love the fact you've got the matching handbag or words to that effect. And Anne Park took great umbrage to this saying, that's wrong, it's, it's uh, you, you shouldn't be saying that, um, you know, it's homophobic. Um, so I'm just telling you now, Scott, that that will not accept that anymore. To which he just stood right up and told, told the exact same story, picked the same guy, and just smashed it out there. Um, and that's it. Just that's that's the way he is. I see, there's that there's that many good one-liners uh, that, um, it, and it, and it is. It's 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 you know, it's his, it's his, listen. It's comedy. It's his timing is superb. And as I say. You know, I'm I'm a wee bit upset with you, Laurie. They're saying that the former voice of Tyne Castle, he is the only <laughs> voice of Tyne Castle. Well, I was just going to say, now we know why he is the former stadium announcer. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, can we can we turn that around and ask Scotty what he thinks his best one-liner is? Oh, well, that sounds, I'm, I'm, um, is that something you're proud of? His best one's his next one. But yeah, that's a great line. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how. I don't really pay any attention once once it's delivered and it's gone. If it's got a laugh, then then great. I I use there's a couple of lines I use every week which always get a laugh. And when I I do the teams and I always start with the visiting team and then I do the Hearts team and then I point out to the visiting how many have we got any Saints fans? Have we got any Rangers fans? Blah, blah, blah. And the the lines always the same. How it's 
listen, can I ask you to bear in mind that you're in a home stand and in the unlikely event that your team score a goal, please moderate your celebrations accordingly, bearing in mind that our fans move a lot quicker than our stewards. Now, <laughs> that, that line gets used every week. The ones that are regular there would be the ones that you would have thought, oh no, here he goes again. But when I stop using it, they're the ones that complain that I don't use it. <laughs> so it, it, it's cheesy, but it still makes them laugh. Where did Let's Make Some Noise originate? I think possibly from either baseball or basketball, whichever I did first. Remember the, the Edinburgh Rocks? Yes, yes, they played at Meadowbank. When did, oh, in fact, uh, so when did that start? I was 2004 at, at Tynecastle. That was early 2000s. That's right. could be there, or it could have been the Speedway, or I certainly used to use it at the baseball, but that was only twice a Make year. Make some noise at the speedway. Flipping hell, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> they're, they're passionate, wee man. They're passionate. No, so I don't they could, you, wouldn't hear, the, you wouldn't hear them for the noise of the bikes. The Claymore's <laughs> ro um, do donkey, I think. Oh, okay. Scottish Claymore's. And what was yeah. that? When did that start? 95. Well, 96 was World Bowl that, that we won. So 95 was the first year, yes. So I think that was possibly the, the, the Claymore's was the, the first time. Were there any others in contention before you settled on Let's Make Some Noise? No, not at all. It just it, it works and it became synonymous with me really, really quickly. And, and it's great because it inspires everybody to want to make some noise. Jersey Steve asks, what's Robbo's best Vlad story? If you've got any, you can tell. And it was a brief time that you um, you were around when when Mr. Romanov was starting uh, to get involved. Uh, it, uh, see, to be honest, I didn't have that much dealing with him. That was dealing. He was never over that much. He was. It was a boy, Sergeyus Fedotovlas, who was there, mm. and he was he was a guy I dealt with. And like every day, every Monday was the same. He'd go into his office at half past eight and. He said, Vladimir's listening in and he wants you to rate the player's performance out of 10 on Saturday. So you go, well, we beat Danny 3 2. Craig Gordon was an 8. Robbie Nielsen was a 7. Steam Bears was an 8. Andy West was a 9. Blah, blah. He goes to the team, right? Okay. He says, now he wants you to rate them uh, out of 10 in Scottish football. Just Scottish football players, rate them out of 10. What? Craig Gordon's a 9. Robbie Nielsen's maybe a 7. Steam Prez is an eight, Andy Webster's a nine, and you go through it and then right, he wants you to rate them in British football. Well, okay, Craig Gordon's a seven, Robbie's probably a four, Stephen's a six, Andy's a seven, and and you had to be things like that. And 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 we sat down, we got a giggle at him because we sat down and went, we we're talking towards the end of the season. We'd been to two semi-finals, we'd beaten Celtic, Celtic part. I'm thinking that's not bad considering you've only been in five months, and Craig had took three of our best players to Leicester. And we brought in, you know, um, Matt Burchill, uh, we brought in Lee Miller, we brought in a couple of the uh, Lithuanian players, Jesnauskas and um, Mikulunas. And I'm thinking, well, we've got a good, but if we get the right players in the summer, we're going to be, you know, big chance to move up and win trophies. And then he said, they're saying, right, who are you going to bring in? And I said, well, what's the budget? And they went, there is no budget. Hmm. Well, I said, there's got to be a budget. And they went, no, there's no budget. Uh, and Roman, I said, but there is, is there's no budget, John. I'm saying, well, it's like this. I said, if you said to me, I want to buy you a car, my first question would be, how much have I got to spend? I said, because if you're giving me 25 grand, I ain't buying a second-hand mini. And if you're, if you're only giving me two grand, well, it might be a second-hand mini. I said, so I need to know roughly what the budget is. 
And he went, there is no budget. So I thought, okay, I'll play this game. And I said, right, all right. I see there's, there's, there's a decent striker down in uh, London. He, he wears number 14 for Arsenal. His, <laughs> name, his name's Terry Henry. Can I get him? Oh, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. We can't afford him. And you're saying, well, you're telling me there's no budget, but now <laughs> we can't afford Terry Henry. So I named the players that I was wanting to bring in, and he went, no good enough, no good enough, no good enough. Um, but as I said, Romanov was fine. He was fine with me. He was, he, I never had any problems with him at all. And he, but the only the only sad aspect was he'd done a deal with Chris Robinson that that my job was only going to be temporary. Chris Robinson never told me that, and that did annoy me because I would I wouldn't have come if I known it was only going to be six months. I wouldn't have come uh, in the first place. Um, but it is what it is, you know. And and you move on. And, it, and to be fair, I think that had a, had an effect on my managerial career because I think a lot of clubs looked at and went, well, if he's if he's been the Hearts for six months, he's two them in two semi-finals, they've beaten Celtic, they've beaten Ball, but they've got rid of him after six months, there must be something wrong with him. There must be something right, because of all the people they would give more time, surely his playing career and what he's done in the, in the six months he's been there, they'd want to keep him on. Um, but they didn't, and the whole point was that they'd already, you know, David Murray gave me a phone call in March and told me that uh, John, he says, I've already... They've already signed up George Burley for next year, so get your exit strategy sorted out. Um, so have it's fighting got, against fire, fire there, you know. Have you got unfinished business at Hearts, Robbo? Only if they need me to have unfinished business, Mark. Um, you know, <laughs> Hearts are Hearts at the end of the day. Listen, football is one of these rare industries, and 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 Scott, it's the same with Scott here, and talks about the voiceover aspect of it. You're only any good if somebody wants you. Mm-hmm. I can't say mm-hmm. Hearts. Hire me tomorrow, or Dun United, hire me tomorrow, or Motherwell, hire me tomorrow. In the football industry, they have to want you. It's not an industry, I mean, Scott could, Scott could stop doing all the voiceovers for the clients he's got at the moment and go and get a completely different bank of clients off his own back. I can't do that. Football people cannot do that. Mm. You, you have to be wanted by a club. A club has to come and want you, and it has to be a better proposition than the one you're currently doing. So well, you know, you've got to want to be a manager as well. I would never say I would never say never to anything. That's the whole point. But what I'm what I'm particularly good at, I feel, is I'm very good at compartmentalisation things. And when I go into something as sporting director as I am at the moment in Vanessa, I throw absolutely everything I've got at it because I wouldn't disrespect my club, I wouldn't disrespect my my team's fans or the players or the staff at this club. I give them everything I've got every day of my life and, and I'll, I'll never be what a person who says oh well he never really he was just playing about with that he was just using that as a stepping stone Inverness and my team I want us to win the Scottish Cup it's as simple straightforward as that and I want us to win the league next year I want us to win the league cup next year the Challenge Cup the Inverness Cup the North of Scotland Cup every cup we go in for and until I'm told differently that they don't want me or somebody else mm-hmm. wants me and the club won't be let me go then I'll do everything I can for Inverness because Scotty, yesterday when when we did our our other podcast for this week, we were talking about if someone was to say to Robbie, someone from the board was to talk to Robbie, who would that person from the board be? Who is that football person? Do you think, Scotty, that Hearts have an in, whether it's now or whenever, for a conduit that reports to the board but is a middleman for? Robbie Nielsen. Now, Joe Savage is a sport or a sporting director. Mm-hmm. Are our hearts needing someone 
who that Robbie can chat to football things, who can then tell the board, or does it not require that? Can it just simply be Robbie talking to the board? Do they need a football presence on the board, do you think? I think he, he, the, the conduit is Joe, without a doubt. Him and Joe have got a great relationship, working and, professional, uh, and personal, and Robbie speaks to him every day. So that he is the conduit between the board per se and the, the, the manager or the management team. So I don't think they need anybody else to do that. And and Joe's well aware. I mean, Joe's up there in the, the, the director's box. He goes to away games as well. They, they know exactly what the fans are thinking. And they're unhappy with the style of football. Again, alarm bells must have been ringing after last Saturday's result. But ultimately, his and, and one of you said it earlier on, his KPI will be finishing third and getting to the latter stages of a cup. When you draw Celtic in the cup, you know, you're kind of exonerated from not getting any further. But third should be the, the, the bare minimum. And we shouldn't be this close to Aberdeen and Hibs right now at this stage of the season. So it's squeaky bum time. The question is, should they have acted after last Saturday? In that case, you're getting rid of somebody when he's on the cusp of achieving the KPI that you set. So why are you doing that? Well, the fans are upset. Well, the fans were upset the last time that the Hearts were in third position and some people hired a plane and he jumped ship when another club came in. And, and who could blame them? You know, you're doing what you're asked to do. Okay, the football wasn't sparkling. It's a results business. He's getting results, but we're not getting there with flair football. And he's kind of damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. There's a, a, an element of the fan base that, that will never take to him, whether that goes back to 2016 and, and Hibs winning the Scottish Cup or whatever. You'd need to ask them. But I, I just think he's he's in a, a, a difficult position right now. And I just pray to God that he wins the next three games. But certainly the next one, otherwise the pressure is going to become unbearable. Okay, Laurie, have we behaved ourselves enough for you today? Then, uh, to an extent, a bit like oh. um, a bit like my five-week-old son. There have been um, some some moments that um, um, that, that weren't the best. So but... good. <laughs> <laughs> been some whiny moments, but um, we'll let you off. Uh, no, I did. let's let's not go down the uh, Robbie Nielsen review route. That was what the previous podcast was for, Mark. That's why we, that's why we split them up. It's been a pleasure to have Scott and uh, John on the podcast. Um, Robbo, do you want to? Should we mention the book, uh, Robbo? The game's not over till the fat striker scores. Can we get this in all good bookstores at the moment? Yes, I believe so. Um, still, it's still out there. I'm sure there's one or two rare copies left. As Scott will tell you, the rare ones are the unsigned ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the opposite here but uh, yeah I'm sure there's still stuff out there um, without a doubt it's well, a great book and by the way you can get it as a, a Kindle edition from um, from Amazon so if you want to read it electronically rather than having a, a hard copy then you can you can get it but can get to sign the Kindle. pardon? can I get them to sign the Kindle? No, well, see, that's the difficult bit there. But the 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 paperback is still over nine quid, and the hard covers fifteen quid. So you're not bargain basement, wee man. Great oh, book. Never been, I've never one been bargain basement, Scott. I've never no, been bargain basement. No, absolutely, absolutely not. 
I've never been top shelf right enough either because I can't reach it. <laughs> You're too wee for the top <laughs> shelf, pal. Uh, my book is yes, my book is still sitting with my 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 lord who who has a, a very good point. There are a couple of very well known artists that are in it and and play a prominent. Is this Pink role Flamingos. This is Jason Flamingos again, this, isn't it? This oh, is Jason Flamingos. This is exactly yeah. that. And um, yeah, they're they're still alive right now, so um, we can't. Publish <laughs> You're waiting for them to be dead. And then I don't wish that on them, but it is a no. bestseller in in the the making there. But um, these stories about them are all absolutely true. I'm just sure that they won't want those stories published. But Robbo would have to proofread it, and he could comment on your <laughs> punctuation. <laughs> on, uh, on the text was simple. The text that night went to him simply saying, "Would you off school the day they did punctuation, wee man?" That was all it was. On that note. I'll I'll try and bring this to a close. Uh, the Mark Donaldson audiobook version of Robbo's book, I'm sure, will yes. be um, in discussions yes. very soon. We'll keep you we'll keep you up to date with that. Um, thanks again to to Robbo and to Scott for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a preview of the Kilmarnock game. Uh, until then, thanks for tuning in.